This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back like we always are for the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, hey guys, how's it going? If you are listening on Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you may be listening, thank you for giving us the download, spending a little bit of time with us today. Is We're talking about college basketball. I, it was one of those things where I'm like, ah, what's going on in football? And I said, you know what? Screw it. Push it off to the side. We are in basketball mode pretty much from now until all the way through March. Right, Brandon? We, 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 can't, we can't go away from the round spherical ball. <laughs> you know, you're absolutely true, uh, but we're, there's, there's going to be so much picking up here in these next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and can you believe it? Come Wednesday, it's March 1st. Can, can you believe that also the kiss of death has already struck and it didn't even take a week? Yeah, you know, it didn't even take honestly, a full week. Thinking, thinking, back, <laughs> thinking back on uh, the segment that we talked about last week, uh, week with Gonzaga, where they basically crowned their asses, I really am so upset with myself. Because you allowed I allowed you to talk about it, and I should have <laughs> known better. Yeah, you should have known that was going to happen. If you missed it from last week, go check out our segment where we talked about will Gonzaga win the national championship this year, and I kind of uh, proclaimed them as my champion, giving them the uh, good old Smoochie Wallace, the, sm- the smooch of death. But we're going to be talking about Gonzaga again today. And I'm saying, I'm really emphasizing that, guys, because we got a comment. We, we're we trying to better ourselves. Apparently, I was saying it wrong last week. I kept saying Gonzaga. Or, <laughs> Gun, now Gonzaga. I can't say it wrong. I was saying Gonzaga. No, I was saying Gonzaga or something like that. Basically, I was saying it wrong. I'm saying it right now in Gonzaga. Now I can't say it wrong. But I think we both were saying it wrong. Yeah. I think, I think everyone just gets into the, it's Gonzaga. That's nope. it. Gonzaga. Gonzaga. That's yes. what I kept saying. It's Gonzaga. Yeah, you are not saying Gonzaga. I, you know you what? don't even know I how you said it right. I couldn't think oh, about wow. the wrong way. The wow. basic point is that we're saying it right, but let's dive into the conversation, and what we're going to start the podcast off with is the, the Zags loss. They lose 79-71 to to BYU. We're not going to focus too much on them specifically, but what we will focus on is, Brandon, how does this affect the race? For the one seeds in March Madness. Well, I'll tell you what, is I think that it pretty much doesn't change anything. Because even though the Zags took that first loss, I think that at, at the end of the day still, we know who the number ones are. The Zags dropped all the way to number four after the loss, but that still keeps them as a number one. That still keeps them mm-hmm. as a number one seed. And I think that ultimately... That's what you're looking at. You still have Kansas, Nova, UCLA up there, North Carolina knocking on the door at number five. But I think we know who our four number ones are. If everything continues to play out here the way that we think it's going to play out, Kansas, Nova, UCLA, and Gonzaga, there are four number one seats. I do not see that changing. And I don't believe Joe Lenardi does either. No, he does not. I'm looking at... His bracketology right now, and as of the night we are recording this on the 27th, he's got Gonzaga in the West, Kansas in the Midwest, Nova in the East, and North Carolina in the South. And I know that Brandon on his computer has the Tar Heel and the Cavalier game up right now. So that game, if North Carolina loses, 
kind of throws a wrench into this whole conversation. But with the Bulldogs, the way I looked at it was, okay, they lost. You get a free pass. This team has been so good all year long. They were undefeated. We were talking about them possibly going undefeated into their conference tournament. They still have two more losses on the two teams behind them in Kansas two and fewer. Villanova. Two fewer losses. Yeah, well, basically Kansas and Villanova now have three. And I mean, go Butler. They were the big ones helping the Bulldogs out in that one as Butler was able to beat Villanova this weekend as well. So the Villanova-Hova, they picked up a loss this weekend too. But I don't think it changes much. And the reason why is I think that the Zags are good. I think the Zags are a lock. Kansas, to me, is a questionable team because they got to win their conference. They won the regular season tournament this past weekend. I think it's the 13th season that they have won the regular season crown, like 13th consecutive season. They got to win the conference tournament, though. If Baylor is able to sneak it out and beat them, Baylor, sneaky team, they're at a two seed right now. North Carolina, they also have to win their conference Villanova, they have to win the regular season. And even if I think if they get upset in the tournament, I think Villanova and Gonzaga or Gonzaga are the two locks. It's those other teams that play in the Big 12, that play in the ACC. I'm talking about the Tar Heels. I'm talking about the Jayhawks. Those are the teams that I would worry about because especially in the Big 12, Baylor's sitting there at a two seed and, you know, you shake your head like, oh, how strong of a two-seed are they? But if they can rack up a Big 12 Conference Tournament champion, that gets thrown into the pot, into the discussion when we get to Selection Sunday. I'll tell you what, though. I just don't think that Baylor is strong enough to be able to try and even win that over over Kansas. I mean, I think that... Look at what Baylor has done this season. Some good things. I mean, they were number one at one point. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see them being strong enough to overtake a Kansas team that, that they, too, have had their, their moments this season. They got blown out by West Virginia. Mm-hmm. They lost a close one, a tough one to Iowa State. But I still think that Kansas is a better team than Baylor. And Baylor is not a team that I would be afraid of. This is... You know, kind of goes back to what we talked about last week a little bit. Baylor is not a team that I'm afraid of come tournament time. Well, and I mean, Baylor, in order to do it, I'm not saying that it's, oh, Baylor's a team to be scared of. I'm just saying any, like, once we get to the conference tournament, Brandon, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. There's a little part of me that goes, anything can happen. Look at George Mason. Look at Butler with... Gordon Hayward, when they went to the championship, look at UConn with Kemba Walker, how that team got on a hot streak. It's the conference tournament time where if a team's able to just snap it and go, they can make a run and they can do things in the tournaments. Really this time that kind of starts that momentum for the teams that do go on a roll. And I'm looking at the bracket right now for the Big 12. If the season were to end today, this is how the Big 12 tournament would look. And with the one seed, how it works is the one and two seeds 
they get a bye. And right away, Kansas, they're already a lock for the one seed. They would wait the winner of 8-9. So how it would work is right now, Kansas would get a bye, and West Virginia would get a bye. They would wait opponents for the second round. The other teams that would get buys but know who they are playing is we would have the three and the four. We would have um, Iowa State and Baylor on each side. Iowa State or Baylor would play Oklahoma State. Iowa State would play Kansas State. And Ricky, Go just ahead. just just to jump in real quick, mm-hmm. the top six teams actually get a buy. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. And like they all. You said I thought you said the top two. They the top two get the buy, but they wait to see the first opponents. The other two, you are the other four, I should say, they get a bye, but they know who they're playing. So, like, Baylor knows, okay, we're playing Oklahoma State. Iowa State knows we're playing Kansas State. Right now it'd be Kansas and West Virginia that'd be sitting there going, we got to wait for who we're seeing. The last four teams that would play day one, which would be Wednesday, March 8th, that's coming up pretty soon, that's mm-hmm. next week, those four teams would be TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Texas, and how it would work is TCU would play Texas, Texas Tech would play Oklahoma, and for me, you look at Baylor, right now they have one, two, three, four. So they would play Oklahoma State, that's a tough matchup. That's a really, like, Oklahoma State's a team that many are saying could be a Cinderella this time come tournament. They could even get the, they could just lose right there and be done. But if they win that, they would have to go through probably Kansas in the semifinals. Then in the finals, it's anyone's game. There's a possibility that Baylor, in order to get to the championship of the tournament, they would have to beat a tough Oklahoma State team that many are going to think are a Cinderella this year, the number one seeded Kansas team, and West Virginia. If they could do that, just a win over Kansas and West Virginia on a neutral court, I would be, it would be really hard to say, let's not boost them up to a one seed. It'd be hard. It'd be really hard to say, let's keep them at a two. Because if they beat a one seed and then beat West Virginia, who is also a 23-6 and six team and a really good team and a lock for the tournament, like I said, it'd be hard to make the case to not have them be a number one seed. I, I I think that you know ultimately again it comes it, it really does come down to kind of who the matchups are mm-hmm. and and the matchups are, are are definitely key. Do we see do we see one of these teams uh, you know a a K State you know do we see a K State like come out and you know jump up on somebody you know we've we've seen them actually play mm-hmm. some pretty good games against some stronger teams they were the one that should have been Kansas season. right they had the it was was it K-State that it was the game where Kansas had the uh, LeBron James like travel the 17,000 steps all the way into the lane for the layup i don't remember i want to say that was Kansas State but they have played some tough opponents especially whenever they play Kansas they do play really tough but that that could be a thing where look at that like we even have where Kansas State State and TCU are both six six and ten they could flip TCU could end up with one game better than Kansas State they could be there Oklahoma State is really two losses behind Iowa State Baylor's a loss behind Iowa State there's still time for some movement to happen in these seedings like I said the only one that's a lock right now is Kansas. 
Kansas at number one. That's the only lock we have right now. And I think most people would think Kansas is going to be the lock to win this tournament. Mm-hmm. But but at the same time, Ricky, we uh, some of the. Let's take a look at this team that we talked about earlier in the season two, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. West Virginia has actually remained pretty consistent uh, since we talked about them. And I think that they're a team that you just don't know. They could be a team that in this tournament is able to possibly run the table. Will they? Again, I think a lot of people are taking it a look right now that it's Kansas. Mm-hmm. But if West Virginia can really get a fire lit under, under them, well, they could do something there. They well, could do something there, and then that momentum could take them into the tournament, which is where they definitely mm-hmm. would need it. And you know what's really funny? Right now, as we speak, there are a lot of games going on, of course, here on this Monday evening that we're recording the podcast. West Virginia right now is playing Baylor in Waco, and it's 28-27 with a minute to have to go in the first half. So to me, I look at the rest of the schedule, the remaining two games really – for the Mountaineers, and you've got Baylor tonight. Like I said, they're currently playing up by one. And then on Friday, you're playing at home against Iowa State. And two wins against Baylor and Iowa State would help your case. But to me, for whether it's Baylor, whether it's West Virginia, whether it's even Iowa State, the thing is, yeah, you want to end strong. But really, these last two games, to me, you're not fighting for... You're not fighting for your seeding. You're fighting for your place. You're not fighting for your seed in the national tournament. You're fighting for your seed in the conference tournament. That's what I'm saying. Is West Virginia, you can get two big wins, but it might not change much what your March Madness seed will be. But if it makes you a lock for the second seed in the conference tournament, makes it pretty easier for you to most likely play Kansas in that championship game. Right now, one thing I'm thinking of, Ricky, is I continue to look at the the possible seedings and in my head kind of going, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you're doing the same thing, kind I'm of trying to plug it. and chug. Okay, who could be here? <laughs> who could be here? It's like math. Uh, I was never good at that, but I I, love I'm, that I'm much better love at this it. type of math. But I, I think that you take a look at Kansas. Kansas could could possibly get Texas Tech in that first game that, that Kansas would play. Mm-hmm. Now, Texas Tech earlier in the season – they beat West Virginia by one point in overtime. Mm-hmm. They beat Kansas State when K-State was number 25. Could Texas Tech come out, bring enough energy, and get a Kansas team that maybe is overlooking them, looking to the next game in the semifinals, even looking towards the championship game because they're there so often? I kind of want to say no, and the reason why I want to say no is I'm on the fence, and the reason why is I want to say no because this team seems to be led by Mason this year, Mason the third, and he's been on another level. The senior leadership, he's been there all season, and really like when Texas Tech and Kansas played earlier in the season, 80-79, to that was the close one, but... When they played earlier in Kansas, Kansas blew them out, 85-68. to So we kind of had a tale of two teams. Of course, this game would be on a neutral court. It would not be at the Allen Fieldhouse. I would like to think Kansas would go in there and win, but there's a thing about this Kansas team that really ever since they beat Memphis in the national title back when Derrick Rose was in college, 
there's just something about this about this Kansas team that I just look at it and I go, I think they're going to get upset. Last year I thought they were. I thought they'd lose to Connecticut in the second round. They didn't. They went on and played and eventually lost to Villanova in the Elite Eight. I thought that they were going to fall short. But this Kansas team, like I said, they've around this time of the year, I mean, losing to Wichita State in the second round. I mean, they lost to Iowa State in their conference tournament that year. That was 2014-2015. If we go back to 13-14, another second-round exit. They lose to Stanford. That was another year that they lost to Iowa State. That I believe those both were Fred Hoiberg Iowa State Cyclone teams that won the conference tournament. And then 2012-2013, this is the last one I'll go back to. Yeah, they went on to get to the Sweet 16, but the last two years before that, like that's really my barometer is really this Kansas team, they're the team that I've always looked at like, Expect them to have one bad game in March. And the one thing we know about March is if you have one bad game, sayonara, you're going home. Right now, Ricky, you say Frank Mason. Frank Mason III has been an outstanding player this season. He's really been their leader. Josh Jackson has been the other guy as well who has been uh, huge coming to bring a lot to the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kansas has won their last six games, and and I'll go through them really, really quick. At K-State, they won by three. At Texas Tech, they won by one. West Virginia at home, they won by four in overtime. Baylor on the road, they won by two. TCU at home, 87-68. And then on the road at Texas, they won by 10. Those are all teams in their conference, mm-hmm. in almost all of them, very close games. I'm with you, Ricky. What I think, I, what I think I Kansas saying? will get upset. Who knows? Maybe it's done against Oklahoma. And the one thing that I will say is... <sighs> It's one of those things where right now, right now, if I had to put my money on it, and I am not a betting man by any sort because you guys all know the kiss of death is real, so really I don't put my money on anything. Just based off of the last few games, I might, just because of what I said about Kansas, I might just put my money on West Virginia. I, if I had to pick, I would say West Virginia, that's the team I'm going with to win the Big 12 Conference Tournament because I would love to be able to pick Baylor. But to me, you look at it, they lose to Iowa State. They've lost to Kansas. I know it was close. They lose to Texas Tech. They've lost to Kansas State by two points earlier this month. Really, ever since the turn of February, they're, what, three and four, five. So three and five. If they lose tonight, they are three and six since the calendar flipped over to February from January. So really Baylor hasn't been playing their best basketball. However, when you do look at the when you look at the RPI and strength of schedule between Kansas and Baylor, it is very, very similar. And in some categories, Brandon, I'll let you know that Baylor actually has actually has Kansas beat in some of the departments especially the RPI. They have a higher RPI than Kansas. Well, Ricky, I think that uh, when it comes down to it, I'm also going to take a real quick pick and say that West Virginia is going to end up winning the Big 12 Conference Tournament, and they're going to get the win.
Yeah, right now, I mean, right now it changed. So t- Kansas has the better RPI, but what I was thinking of, strength of schedule. Strength of schedule, Baylor has the better department there. But however, Baylor 8-4 and four against the top 50 RPI. Kansas is 7-2. and two. So I know Kansas, yeah, they have two less losses, but those two losses are against West Virginia and Iowa State. Baylor has one more win, and their four losses are, you guessed it, West Virginia, Iowa State, and then two times to that Kansas team. So that's the only reason why they have four losses instead of just two. Now, Ricky, we took a look at one of the Conferences. four number ones. Mm-hmm. You want to jump over, take a look at the uh, Big it. East? Let's well, do we it. We got Villanova, the other predicted number one, one of the other number one predicted See, seats. But I look at the Big East and I go, it's kind of like to me, it it sort of is like Gonzaga in their conference. Like, is anyone or Gonzaga? Pardon me, in their conference, is it? Is anyone going to not pick Villanova to win that tournament? Like Butler. Come on. Come on. I mean, Butler's beat him twice. It's hard to beat a team three times. True. But look at, I mean, but Butler's had their number. You've got to mm-hmm. look at that. Creighton has really dropped off. Well, Creighton's really dropped, dropped off, off ever since the in, like the injury that our point guard that we talked about earlier in the season. As soon as they lost Maurice, boom, that was it. They were done. So the only three teams that I write off from this conference are the last three. St. John's, Georgetown, <laughs> and DePaul. No, the top, uh, the other seven? Mm-hmm. You, anyone could. Anyone could. We've seen Marquette win some games this year that you're going, oh, not bad. We've seen Xavier win some games. Providence, Seton Hall, Creighton, and then obviously Butler, Villanova. The, the top two, they win games because, oh, they're good. Mm-hmm. But the other teams win games sometimes. Because not only are they still talented, but they just have someone else's number that night. They just have Butler's number. They have Creighton's number. You know, I, I think that that's why those those top seven, you just don't know. It could be a dogfight, especially with the Big East. Yeah, and I mean, to me, I maybe I just think that, like, to yeah, Butler's good. But I this Villanova team, I know we talked about last week— in the Zags, why I think they're going to be the national champions this year, and I am still going to stick by that, even though many uh, don't think so now that I gave them the kiss of death. Well, it doesn't but help. This, But this Villanova team, you look at this team, and really, how are they much different than Gonzaga? How are they? Yeah, they lose Archie Diacono, but they still have heart. They have a Jalen Brunson who's now a year old, older. They have Bridges who's doing pretty like really good for them. These guys, like this team, has the leadership in place, led by led by Coach Wright there, all at the center. Really, it's Coach Wright, and then you have uh, Hart, who's the leader on the floor. Brunson, a sophomore, a older guy. Jenkins, the senior. Bridges, the sophomore. This is another team that isn't one of your, hey, we've got a bunch of diaper dandies out there and we're just going to make it work. I'm looking at you, Kentucky. But this is also a team with older players on it to where I look at this team and I go, I don't see what I saw with Kansas where I'm always worried about, ah, Kansas is going to have that bad game. They're out in the second round. Ah, they're going to have that bad game. They might lose in the Big 12 championship. 
I see Villanova this year. Last year, I doubted them. Last year, I doubted them. This year, I am looking at them, taking the same evidence that I'm using for the Zags and saying we could be seeing, depending on where they are, if they're on opposite sides, If I'll put it this way. I'm not going to call it, but I'm highly, like, 90% thinking about it. If Villanova and the Zags are on opposite sides of the bracket, I'm thinking about putting them in my championship. That's how confident I am in this Villanova team this year. I think that because because everyone doubted, I shouldn't say everyone. I take that back. I doubted because them. so many I'll people because so many people doubted them last mm-hmm. season, and they absolutely stuck it to those most people. You can't, you cannot doubt them this season. You almost have to say, "Oh, you expect them to be in the Final Four. I mean, kind of, you know, or kind, I mean, yeah. you know, Elite Eight. You you expect another good run from them." Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, this is, a, again, a team that has a lot of talent, a team that has been good, but a team that I don't think has necessarily had the same had the same feel about it around it as it did last year. You know, I think that it, 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 it was a little bit it was a little bit different last year where it was just some of those games, you know, they were just getting those big wins and there was something special about it. I'm not feeling that as much or possibly seeing that as much uh, with this year's team, but still a team that I think has a chance to definitely go deep in the tournament, and and, and that's the, the, the national tournament. However, you take a look at, again at their Big East tournament, and I'm worried about Butler. I'm worried about Butler because Butler has been very, very good mm-hmm. and has had their number this season so far. The three losses that they have, two to Butler, one to Marquette. And that and that's the thing that if it's a if it is a bracket of hey you know what we are going to have Villanova and Butler play for let's say the championship in their in that Big East tournament what what's it to say that yeah you can say well Butler's had their number but what's it to say Villanova says hey third time's a charm we're not going to let you beat I I would actually love to see that I want to see Butler Villanova. Big East Championship game for that conference tournament because I don't think it's going to be a blowout for either side. I think that would be probably the game of the out of all the conference championships that we would see. I mean, we still got to wait and see what matchups we get. That would be the one where A, I would be must watch TV, and B, just on paper, probably the best conference championship game that we would see this year. But the one thing I do want to throw out, and it kind of got me thinking, is of the one seeds, because that's what this topic has been on. I know we spent a lot of time on Kansas and Villanova, and really this all started with the Zags lost to BYU. You know what I've noticed about every single one seed that we have right now? With the exception of um, Kansas, the majority of the leading scorers for every one seed right now, all upperclassmen. The two young guys, young guys is Villanova has two sophomores that are double digits, and then you've got Josh Jackson as a freshman. You look at North Carolina, juniors and seniors. You look at the Zags, juniors and seniors. You look at Kansas, their top four, juniors, seniors, and one freshman. You look at Villanova, They've got junior, senior, and two sophomores. So really, if you're looking at it, all four of these teams, 
I think are very, I think that, I think that Villanova, the Zags, and North Carolina will be our one seeds. Kansas, I'm going to wait and see because if they don't win the Big 12 tournament, I think there's the possibility that they are not a one seed depending on who wins that conference tournament. Because if it's a team like, and right now I'm going to say Baylor because Baylor's a two seed right now. If it's a team in the Big 12 that's a two seed by the time that happens, then it could just be a switch with Kansas and that team. I'm going to say that Gonzaga is a, a lock as a one seed. I'm going to say... Are they a lock if they don't win their conference tournament? With oh, no. how weak their conference tournament is? No, I already assumed that they were okay, going to win okay. their... That was, wa- that, was, that was, yes, I that was, with me, that was with me assuming that Gonzaga is going okay. to win their conference tournament. Okay. Kansas? Don't know if they will. Villanova? Don't know if they don't will. Don't know if they will. <laughs> And North Carolina currently losing right now mm-hmm. to Virginia. Virginia's a tough defensive team, though. North Carolina, another one. I don't know if they will. So really, your only lock One is... lock right now, Gonzaga. The other three, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty strong right now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to have... Th- those three are, will have tough conference... Conference tournaments. You know, it's funny. And one of these teams we're going to talk about in the next segment because we're going to go to the Pac-12. But I look at the two seeds right now in Lenardi's bracket. Kentucky just got a big win over Florida. If they can win the SEC tournament, if just one of those three loses, I'd easily put them as a one seed. Louisville, they're a team that if, let's say, they win the ACC and North Carolina doesn't, they could jump North Carolina and then Baylor, if they win the conference tournament, they could jump Kansas. Like, there are a lot of teams right now. And then Oregon, if Oregon wins the Pac-12, all of the two seeds right now, kind of like how I'm picturing it in my head, is they're just like the dogs waiting in the pit with, like, just the saliva foaming at the mouth waiting for you to just drop that big steak in there for them. Because yeah. they're waiting for it. And that steak has a big old number one seared right into the middle of it. And those four all rip it to shreds trying to fight for it. And how far do you think I'm off? with? Do you, do you think I'm too far off with those three Not, of, 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 of wanting to wait and see and saying that I don't necessarily know if they're all locked? You're not far off because you changed my mind on North Carolina. I'm going to put them to an iffy two. I, th- I, I feel confident that they might be able to win their conference tournament, but they got Louisville. Duke, if they can turn it on Duke, at the right time. Yeah. I mean, what if we get a team like a scary team like a Clemson who's like, you know what, we need to go far in this conference tournament in order to make the tournament, and they go on a run. They just need a big upset win. Even if they just upset North Carolina and then get bounced the next round, that could be enough to get them in the tournament. So Kansas and North Carolina, I'm with you. I'm a little bit more confident on Villanova. I know that Butler is a good team. You can't sleep on the Bulldogs from Butler, but I'm confident that Villanova is going to win the Big East Conference Tournament. I know what you're saying last year, Ricky, but Ricky, last year, weren't you cheering for Isaiah Whitehead to beat Villanova in the Conference Tournament? Yes, but that was because I had a dog in the fight because, A, I liked Isaiah Whitehead, and, two, I wanted Villanova to fail because I said they were going to lose in the second round. 
come on, people, this is what I cheer for. I cheer for the things that are going to make me right, not for the things that makes everyone else right. But I think Gonzaga and Villanova are my two confident teams, Kansas and North Carolina. You swayed me on North Carolina. I'm putting them in the eh region right now. Not a, not a down, not an up, just right there in right the middle, in the a, little, a little lukewarm. But any last thoughts? We, we've gone for a while on the one seeds. Any last thoughts on the one seed race? No, I think we covered it all. Okay, this is where you guys come in. You guys let us know down below what you guys think. How does really the first question of how does Gonzaga's loss affect the one seed race, and then everything else we talked about? Who's in the play for the one seeds? Who do you have being the one seeds at the end of the year? How do you think everything is going to turn out? Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's move on into our second topic, and we're going to be talking about the Pac-12. We're going to move away from the general basketball talk. We're going to focus in on a conference that we've talked about Oregon in the past. We've talked about Arizona in the past. Today, I was like, whoa, UCLA's on a run. Let's talk about the Bruins. Let's talk about a little Lonzo Ball. And Brandon's like, hey, you know what? Let's talk about the entire Pac-12. So I'm like, okay, Brandon, that's something that we could do. And really the topic for this video, if you're on YouTube, is is this the year the Pac-12 ends their Final Four drought? And Brandon, let's start with that. Is this the year the Pac-12 reaches the Final Four? Well, I, I, I think so. I think so, Ricky, because if they don't, that means Arizona, Oregon, and UCLA mm-hmm. all did not make it. And that would be bad because of how well all those three teams have played this season. I don't want to say that these teams have carried the conference because that's not true. But these teams have been the three teams that have absolutely played the best, stood out, have some of the best players. And when they play each other, now those are good games for TV. But I absolutely think, Ricky, that there will be a team from the Pac-12 in the Final Four. And my gut, do you want to know what my gut says of who it's going to be? Oregon. Yep. Mm-hmm. How'd you know? I knew you were going to say that. Because your gut's saying the same knew, thing? Well, I I know it's not going to be Arizona. That's the thing I know I feel like for it's sure. not. No. Sorry, Sean Miller. I, I feel like it's not going to be Arizona. I feel like if any team from the Pac-12 is going to make the Final Four, it's going to be Oregon or UCLA. And right now, Oregon Oregon and Arizona are tied at the top of the conference at 15-2. and two. Thank you, UCLA, for putting the Ducks back up on top with their win over the Wildcats this past weekend. But really, UCLA is sitting there at 13-3 and three in the conference with a little bit more games left to go before we get to the conference tournament. And I just want to focus on those two teams. First off, Oregon then UCLA with their remaining schedules. You look at Oregon, they got one game left. They got Oregon, they got Oregon State. Let's be honest. They're going to be 16 and 2. They're ending the year at 16 and 2. I'm sorry Beavers. I know it's at your home stadium. I know it's senior day this Saturday. The Ducks are going to win. Ducks fly together. Ducks get the dub. Then let's look over the Bruins cuz they got a little bit more games. They've got two left. And the way I'm looking at it, they got Washington, they got Washington State. Last time they played Washington State was on the road, blew them out, 95-79. They should have no problem with Washington State at UCLA. Washington, they blew them out 107-66. Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, we're going to look at number one versus number two in the NBA draft, but UCLA is going to get the win 
and they are going to finish. That would put them at, well, if Oregon's 16-2, and UCLA will be 15-3. and Then we look at Arizona. They got one game left. Who's it against? Arizona State. And there's a possibility that we could end one, two, three, the same as we have it right now, Oregon, Arizona, UCLA. I mean, I, I, unless you think Arizona State's going to upset Arizona, I don't I, think I so. I don't see it changing. I don't see it changing. I see it staying the exact same way that it is right now. And you know what's the funniest part, which kind of feeds into um, what you said about Oregon? If we look at their conference tournament, do you remember what I said about Oregon when we talked about them many moons ago? When I when we when we took a look at them in the conference tournament, do you remember how I kind of the best situation for them in the conference tournament what I said? Or do you need me to refresh your memory? I'm sure you're going to have to refresh my memory. I know that you have been talking about how if such and such team if 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 Oregon's mm-hmm. able to beat the number one something or other, then Oregon's going to win the national championship. I, I don't know, something like that. That's in the tournament. You're close. Whoever whoever beats Oregon in the national in the national tournament either goes to the final uh, yes. four or goes to the national That's title. But what I said in that Oregon segment was what Oregon has to hope for is that they're on one side. They get the number one seat, which right now they would. If they beat Oregon State on Saturday— they will be the top-seeded team for the Pac-12 men's tournament bracket. The best-case scenario is that Arizona's number two, UCLA's number three, because you want to know why? Those two have to duke it out on the other side. Yep, so I that do means, remember that. So that means you wait. You wait in the quarterfinals. Okay, 8-9, whoever you want. You go ahead. You get the 8 or the 9 seed. Then you you could play the 4-12 or 5 seed in the semifinals, and then basically if you get to that championship game, it's a big if because, of course, you got to win the two games, but if you get to the championship, then it's like, okay, we'll take our pick. Whoever, you know what, Arizona, UCLA, you beat the crap out of each other. You guys settle it out. We'll be waiting here drinking our tea, drinking our coffee because it's Oregon and it's that upper northwest and they drink coffee up there. I mean, Seattle's known for their coffee. Starbucks. Starbucks, too, but... We'll drink our coffee. We'll wait here with our lattes. You guys, you guys handle it out in the semifinals, and then tell us who we're playing. That's how Oregon can be. Well, Oregon's gonna definitely, uh, ha- I-, I think, want to hope for that. Uh, but I-, I think that uh, you you said you wanted to talk about UCLA mm-hmm. a little they're, bit they're, too. You wanted to talk about every, you wanted to talk about everybody, but they've won. UCLA <laughs> has won their last. What is it? Six games. One, uh, two. Up. Oh, I clicked one. So Seven. basically they have not lost since January 25th. They've January won- 25th was their last loss. They've won their last seven games. Do you think, though, do you think that down the stretch, and when I say down the stretch, I mean that conference tournament and then the national tournament, do you think the fact that some of their some of their best players are freshmen will hurt them? Because a lot of these teams, when we, when, when we talked it's really quickly, when we talked in the segment, mm-hmm. in the last segment, actually, about the number one seeds that we have right now and looking at their team, mm-hmm. it was made up of a lot of upperclassmen and a sprinkling of a freshman, a sprinkling of a sophomore. And I'm not saying that these guys couldn't do it with freshmen. We've seen stuff like that before. But do you think that it will be harder for them 
because they mainly will have to lean on the freshmen. I don't want to. I wouldn't be as if it was them versus the Zags or them versus Villanova or maybe them versus North Carolina. I might favor the number one seeded team of the one seeds that I've named. But there's one thing that I've noticed about this Bruins team. The only three losses that they have had all year have been to Oregon on the road, have been to Arizona at home, and have been to UCLA. Those were USC. all USC. Those were all the first time, the first time they have played that team. The one thing I did notice after that, the second time they've played those opponents, a win over Oregon, a win over UCLA, a win over Arizona. USC. When they when they when they see them a second time, thank you for catching my breath, my back. I keep wanting to say UCLA. I got That's you. How much I like Baby, them. Baby, I got you, BB Rexa. It's one of those things where I was like, wow, when they see a team the second time, they're even better against them. It's kind of one of those things where it's like. That first time, it's like, okay, now we know what you're going to do. And then they, they they beat you. Like, the way they lost against Oregon the first time, that last second shot, and then what does Lonzo Ball do? Does it in their face. Says, Dylan Brooks, this is how it feels. Eat your heart out. And he beats them. I, I know it was a close game. And you're saying, well, Ricky, it was 82-79 that second time. But they still won the second time. They go in to Tucson and they go ahead and beat Arizona in Tucson. It, that's not easy to do. I mean, the way, let's see, the losses that Arizona has had this year, Butler on a neutral site, the Zags on a neutral site, Oregon on the road. Oh, guess what? The only home loss they have this year is to UCLA. They are the only team, and that was the last, that was senior night for the Arizona Wildcats. This Bruin team is it's one of those things where if they can carry this into the tournament, they're catching fire at the right time. And I want to I wanna stress something that Joe Lenardi said when he was asked about UCLA. He said, what we've learned in the tournament with bracketology, you never want to overreact on one game. You and I didn't overreact in the first segment when it came to Gonzaga. We didn't overreact. We didn't say, well, you know what? They've lost a game. Get them out of here. They're not a one seed. They're now a two seed. No, we didn't do that. So I am not going to get on a soapbox and say that UCLA is going to do this, going to do that. But the one thing I will say is this is a team that, from what I've seen, what I can see with my own eyes, they have not lost since January 25th. That is seven straight games. The teams that they have lost to this season, they have beat them the second time and have looked better the second time. This is a team that could make a run, not just in the conference tournament, but in the national tournament. And if I'm a team like Michigan, who right now is a tournament team, if I'm a team like Kentucky, who is a tournament team, those are probably their only tournament opponents in non-conference. Especially if I'm Kentucky, I'm going, no, 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 I don't want to be in the same bracket with them. They beat us the first time, and the second time, they look even better against opponents. UCLA, first in assists per game, first in points per game, Mm -hmm. with over 91 points per game. Ricky, if they're able to take that into the tournament, both tournaments, that's going to be pretty hard to beat them. 
it's going to be very hard to beat them. However, they also give up plenty of points per game, a little over 75 uh, per game. And their 91 is Mm -hmm. stupid good. Um, But I I think that if that's something that they're able to take in, and I think going back to the question that I had asked you, is that it won't necessarily matter if they're freshmen. If they play like they've been there before, does not matter. Well, it does not matter. And, 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 but, I, but I think, though, too, is that mm-hmm. you, you take a look, again, at who they beat, and they lost to Arizona, came back, beat them. They lost to Oregon, came back, beat them. They lost to USC. You know, I, I think that it's it came back and killed them. I, I think that that does say a lot for your team. That says that you have really you really come together. You really understand the importance of being able to get out there. Guess what, guys? Guess what they did to us before? We don't mm-hmm. want that again. And and I think that that's a really good thing for any team, but especially a team like this, it makes them so dangerous. Well, and here's the thing, and this kind of goes back to the question that you asked me of, well, Ricky, we talked about Villanova, Kansas, um, the Zags, North Carolina, having this senior leadership and with this team not having as much senior leadership, does that scare you? I'm going to say no. And the reason why is, to me, there's two things I look for in the tournament. Number one is like we've harped on, the senior leadership. If you have a team full of upperclassmen, I'm probably going to pick you to go far, unless it's like last year in Villanova and I have this preconception that, okay, you always lose in the second round, you can't get over the hump, and then you finally go over the hump and prove me wrong. The second thing I look for is shooting. Teams that can ball out, teams that can shoot, they do well in March. How many times, like, how many times, look at the three players that we have talked about that the fast break has talked about this week, and then another one that I know on the herd they talked about because the owner in Sacramento has said that he believes that he is the next Steph Curry. The three players I'm looking at are Buddy Heald, Jimmer Ferdet, and Doug McDermott. What do all three of those players have in common? When, What time of the year did they ball out and have their best time? March Tournament Madness. time. What was the shot they all did well at in the tournament? The three ball. They could all ball out from three. Jimmer Ferdet did it exclusively. Dougie. There was someone in the comment section on one of the fast break videos, I don't remember who it was, but was defending McBucket, said there's a reason why coming out of college we called him Dougie McBuckets. It's because he shot the three very well. He got his buckets. It's kind of like what Stacey King says, Jimmy G Buckets. The G stands for gets. That was Doug McBuckets in college. And then Buddy Heald, Buddy Heald, he made me a believer I thought he would be better than he would be in the NBA. I didn't think he was going to be the next Steph Curry. I'm not that crazy. But that's the one thing that this UCLA team can do. You look at their stats right now. As a team, 52% from the field, almost 53%. 52.9 is pretty damn close to 53. 74% from beyond the arc. Or Pardon me, 41% from beyond the arc. 74% from the foul line. I look at their, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. They have six players, six of them, scoring double digits. Out of those six, they're all over at least the lowest one is Bryce Alford at 42 or 47% from the field. Then from the foul line, the lowest ones are 
TJ Leaf and Lonzo Ball, 67 and 66 from the foul line. Then from three, the lowest one is Isaiah Hamilton at 34. The other ones are all over 41% from beyond the arc. This is a team that if they could make up the senior leadership with the three ball and with knocking buckets down and just outscoring their opponents, they could make a final four run. Really, to me, it comes down to, like we said at the beginning, you said Oregon. Oregon is going to be a tough team. However, they are probably going to lose to the national champions this year. And then you've got UCLA. Those are the two teams from the Pac-12 that if they want to end the Pac-12 Final Four drought, those are your best bets. Arizona ain't going to be able to do it. I don't believe in Arizona. I don't think they're playing the right. I don't think they're playing their hottest basketball at the right time of the season. No, and that's and that's actually <laughs> timing's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So if uh, you are in a drought at the end of the season, that's bad timing. Mm-hmm. That is not good. But I think that that's why you take you have to take a look at this UCLA team. Look at them and go, hey, you know what? This team's actually playing really, really well. This is not a team that I want to be messing with right now at this point in the season because of the fact that. They've been kicking some butt. So I think that that's that's kind of where it is with UCLA. My next question to you, Ricky, okay. and maybe I'm nuts, and we all know that I am. Hit me with it, B. Could, if things, if things happen to go in a, just a crazy way, mm-hmm. right now UCLA is a three. Joe Lenardi has them in the south, I believe. Yes. Right now, they are a three seed. Mm-hmm. If things go, like I said, in an interesting way, could UCLA jump to a one? I thought about that last night. I thought about it. Oh, I certainly what, thought about it. That's why I had to ask the question. What would need to happen for them to jump to a one is they would have to win out. If they win out, because think about it. To win out, that would mean you're beating Washington, Washington State. It's like, oh, okay, whoop-de-doo. But look at that. You'd be the three seed because let's say that Arizona State can't beat Arizona and let's say Oregon State can't beat Oregon. One, two, three is like we said, Oregon, Arizona, UCLA. That means in your first game in the quarterfinals of the Pac-12 tournament you're playing either the sixth or the eleventh right now that'd be one two three four five six that would either be USC who you've seen twice the second time you beat them really I if you beat them the second time I don't even want to know what you're going to do the third time uh seven eight nine ten eleven or Washington so really I say you're winning the quarterfinals then based on that if you can get another shot at Arizona Beat Arizona, who right now is a three seed. I don't know. I don't think they'd fall that much if they if they got to the semifinals and won their last game. They'd be on a two-game win streak. I don't think they'd fall that much in bracketology. If you could beat them, they'd be a three seed. And then win the whole conference tournament over in Oregon, who's a two seed. I mean, depending on what happens everywhere else, if Kansas can't win their conference tournament, if Kansas can't and Baylor can't, if... Let's say Duke makes a run and wins the ACC, so it's not a North Carolina or a Louisville situation. It's definitely in the cards. UCLA could be a one seed. Will they? 
Probably not. I think at the highest, they'll probably be a two. But at the same time, I kind of think they'll be a two or a three heading into the tournament. But the one thing I was thinking of right now where Joe Lenardi has them in the South, let's say that bracket that he has right now is what's there. Really, the way I see it mapped out is, of course, upsets can happen and we always have those teams. But my Elite Eight in that bracket in the South would be the number four-seeded Butler team going up against the number three-seeded UCLA. It's either going to be UCLA, Butler, or UCLA, North Carolina. Because it's that Butler, or that Butler North Carolina game would be amazing to see for a Sweet 16 game. And if Butler, because they're a team that, hey, they beat Villanova twice, why can't they beat North Carolina once? We could see a UCLA-Butler, and then I think UCLA could beat Butler, go to the Final Four. Really, this South region that Joe Lenardi has, if I'm UCLA, licking my chops, because that's a good bracket for them. I think that uh, it's coming coming down to it, you know, Mm-hmm. It, it's going to be really interesting because I think at least in one of these, and again, we already kind of talked about this a mm-hmm. little bit in the first segment, but one of these brackets, the number one that's the number one right now will not be the number one come Oh, these number time. ones are not staying. No. Someone's going to change. Someone's going to fall. At One. Mm-hmm. At least one. At least one. Probably so, the one that's a lock is like we said, the Zags. I if, think so. If they win out, I they're think a so. lock. Yes. I, I, I think that... That's why there's there's reason to ask the question about mm-hmm. UCLA possibly being a one. And there's reason to believe that, guess what? These guys are not safe at number one right now, where they are. Mm-hmm. Currently, North Carolina, Gonzaga, Kansas, and Villanova. And there's a lot of basketball still to be played before we even get to the national tournament because these conference mm-hmm. tournaments are going to be huge. Well, I mean, even look at this. Look at just the two seeds. If let's say UCLA wins out the rest of the year, that means they have won the Pac-12 conference tournament. That means Oregon's not going to win their conference tournament. Let's say Baylor doesn't win and Louisville doesn't win. That's three of them right there. And then there's a chance that Florida could come back play can or play Kentucky in the SEC tournament, and Florida could win that one. Kentucky loses that one. That's all four two seeds are not a conference tournament champion. Then we look at the three seeds right now. Arizona wouldn't be it. Florida would. That'd be interesting. They might jump to a number two seed. Florida State, it would depend on how far they would run in the ACC tournament. And then UCLA, who in this situation is the Pac-12 tournament champion with how we've laid it out. I love college basketball. I can't wait. I love college basketball. Next week is going to be fun when we look at all these conference tournaments. And we will have what I'm thinking we will have is Yes, we're going to talk about them on the podcast, but me and this guy are going to do individual videos, break down the big conference tournaments, kind of walk you guys through it and give our predictions for that. But before we move on to our last topic, which is a team that has been falling in Northwestern, is there anything else in the Pac-12 that we missed? And let's just answer the question one last time. Does the Pac-12, yes or no, end their Final Four drought? Yes, 100%. Yes, they do. Follow-up question, Oregon or UCLA? I, I think I talked myself into UCLA. I'm going to go with a maybe. It's a strong maybe right now, and it really depends on where everything falls. If right now, based off of Joe Lenardi's bracket as a basis, I would say yes, and I would say UCLA 
based on that South region. I look at that South region. So what's region your maybe for then? And I look at, because we don't know if that's really going to be the South region. No, things we have could no change. idea. Absolutely Th- no idea. Things could change. But based on Joe Lenardi's, just so I can give you guys a rock solid answer, yes, UCLA. I'm going to say yes. I think I've talked myself into UCLA after this segment. Um, but Oregon's still, Oregon's still right well, there in Oregon's, my mind. Oregon's going to be in the Zags region. The Zags are going to beat Oregon and then go to the national championship and win it, Brandon. Duh. That's how it's going to work out because I know everything because the kiss of death don't have nothing. That's only for football. That, that only works for football, or so I hope. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below what you guys think about Oregon, about Arizona, about UCLA, and what do you guys think? Does the Pac-12 end their Final Four drought this year? And, Brandon, we got to move on into our last topic, and we're going to be talking about yet another team that we talked about, I want to say it was last week, a few weeks ago, basically the Northwestern Wildcats. And really, we talked about them saying, oh, they're on a run, they could make the tournament. Woo, it's going to be the first year that they make the tournament. Um, Northwestern is really trying to just mess everything up. (laughs) They're just trying to say, yeah, you know what, the tournament – we don't want to be there. We're used to playing golf at that time. We're used to not being down there. Ever since January 29th, they are 2-5. and 2-5. Five. Two and five. Wins coming over Wisconsin and Rutgers. Their losses, Purdue, good loss. Maryland, good loss. But then Illinois twice in Indiana. I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna disagree with you on the Purdue loss. Not a good loss. No, they got blown out. But it's Purdue. It, like they it's got blown. No, they got blown out. Was it's Wisconsin? It's expe- they did not expect any. They didn't. No one expected them to be. What Wisconsin. I'm saying is the Purdue loss doesn't hurt more than two losses to the Illinois Fighting Illini. The Purdue loss hurts in the way that they lost. They lost. 80 so they to got 59. Because they got blown out, you're saying it's a bad loss. Yes, it's terrible. Let's get to I the, would say that that is a terrible loss. The two losses to Illinois are worse than terrible. God, they're horrible. Um, I was and, happy. Don't get me wrong. I was you lose by one happier to, than a pig in slop. You lose by one to Indiana. Go ahead, because I know you got more to say, but I'm just saying that Purdue loss, the way it happened, not a good one. I was going to throw this out at you. Based off of everything that we've seen so far since the last time we've talked about this Wildcat team, are they still locked for the tournament? No, I mean, they're they're <laughs> not. They've been very, very bad. They've been very, very bad. They've lost five out of their last seven games. Not just games. bad. Not just very bad, but very, very bad. Uh, do the very varies can uh, cancel yeah. themselves out, and then is it just bad? No, no, that that don't happen. It's not like math class. Okay. Like okay. we talked about earlier. Two times we brought up math tonight. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. Uh, but... Uh, they have two very difficult remaining games. Mm-hmm. A Michigan team that has shown that it can be strong. and They've then, had some good wins. And then, yes, they have. And then a Purdue team that is strong. I'm not confident. I'm not confident that they could win even one of these games because of the way that they have been playing lately. They've dropped to a 10 seed. I mean, we talked about them possibly being able to move to a six mm-hmm. the last time we talked about them. But that was at a time when they were January on a bit 26th. of a roll. Ja- just to put you back into the mindset of what we were, when the video went up on YouTube, it was January 26th. That was the Thursday where they beat Nebraska. That was coming off of their win at Ohio State. 
So they had yet to win against Nebraska, yet to win against Indiana, and it was before they went on their big losing streak. And you know what's even worse? Last week, when we talked about teams that could be feared, guess who this idiot said was a team that could be feared in the tournament? Can I guess? Yeah. Was it Northwestern? One of them was Northwestern. However, the other two were teams that have beaten them or could beat them in the next game in Purdue and Michigan. So I hope my credibility is up a little bit. But, yeah, they're a 10th seed right now. And if I go back to the last Joe Lenardi bracket, which was, for for us, it would be the 23rd would be that bracket. They were an 8, That we were, were they looking not? off of. I'm going to pull it up. They were a 8 seed. They were an 8 seed in the East. Yeah. Now they're a 10th seed in, in the, South. the South. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, really, if you lose these last— Well, to me, I feel like you got to win one of these last two. You got to win one of these last two, and you got to win a tournament game, a conference tournament game. You have to. If you go 0-3, sayonara, you're not making the tournament. Because I was going to say, even look at this, though. But look at mm-hmm. this. Those two losses to Illinois— the loss to—I'm going to say the loss to Michigan State because mm-hmm. Michigan State hasn't, hasn't been that been great good. this year. And I think that you take a look at those, you take a look at the way that they lost to Purdue and the loss to Indiana as well. I would put that in there. You lose by one. I, I don't know. I, I don't know, Ricky. It's it, I don't even, think they're a lot. Even if, even if they— they won one out of these two games, even though, let's say they beat Michigan, they lose to Purdue, mm-hmm. it still could be tough. Yeah, to me, I do not, I, I'm going to go back, I don't think they're a lock yet. And it's one of those things where I know you're like, well, Ricky, a month ago you were saying, oh, they're we a lock, were. they'll be we fine. We both were. I didn't expect them to kind of, pardon my French, shit the bed like they have. I mean, this has been a bad kind of a streak from this Northwestern team, and I, I, I get kind of nervous because, like we've said, Michigan, Michigan has played pretty good. They've gotten big wins, especially this later half of their schedule. I mean, they beat a Wisconsin team that also the Northwestern Wildcats beat, but this past weekend at home they beat Purdue. They beat Purdue. They were up at half. What was their what was what, what score were they up at half? They were up forty five to thirty at half, and that's when I tuned in. I was kind of flipping through the channels. I saw forty five to thirty, and I went, "Huh, huh? They're up by fifteen against Purdue." And then I didn't watch the second half because I'm like, "Oh, they're they're just going to win that game." They ended up winning it by twelve. I mean, Purdue kind of tried to come back, outscored them by three in the second half, but really it was. The 24 points, really, when you go 10 of 15 from the field in Wagner, you're going to have a good game. But if I'm Northwestern fans, I'm biting my fingernails. I am biting my fingernails because just the two games that you have on the schedule right now don't look too good. They do not look too good with Michigan and Purdue coming up because that— that Purdue t- or that Purdue team that you mentioned, yeah, they got blown out last year by that Purdue team. Blown I, out. I guess I just I, I'm not hopeful only because of the way that they have played 
their last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Again, we talked about this earlier. It's about timing, and it's about when are you playing your best basketball. Right now, Northwestern is playing its worst basketball of the entire season. They have not been any worse this season than what they are playing like right now, and that is not something that they needed, Ricky. And who's going to step up for this team? Who is going to step up for this team, come out, be the leader, say, hey, we have got to get it together, otherwise we will have a collapse. And it won't be some big thing. It's not mm-hmm. like they were you know, a huge ranked team and then fell out and didn't make the tournament. But to be what they were, to be an 8 seed just a couple weeks ago, and now to be a 10 seed that is on the verge of possibly being kicked out of the tournament before it even gets there, that is not good. Well, and what's interesting is right now they are the sixth seed, and they are, uh, honestly, they're a sixth seed in the conference tournament for the Big Ten, but really if they can steal a win and any of the three teams above them lose, they're a game behind Michigan State, Minnesota, and Maryland. So really anything can happen. If all three of those teams lose their last two and Northwestern wins them, they could jump all the way up to the three seed. Will they? Probably not. But the the way I look at it is not about them going up. The possibility of them going down. Right now, if they stay pat and they enter the Big Ten tournament as the sixth seed, they would get a first a first round bye. And really the only teams that would play that first round are the 11 through 14 seeds, and they would play either the 14th seed or the 11th seed. So they would play the winner of Rutgers and Ohio State. Those two teams, maybe you're sitting there going, okay, we can probably win a game against either of those two on a neutral court. Let's say you lose to Michigan, though. You're tied with Michigan right now, by the way, Wildcat fans. If you lose to Michigan and then let's say lose to Purdue, win to Purdue, whatever you do against Purdue, let's just say you're the seventh seed. Then you got to play the 10th seeded team, which is Indiana right now. Indiana kind of playing like, whoa, we can try to play ourselves into the tournament. They're going to try to play a run. You just lost a close game to Indiana. That's another team that I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel too confident going into a game against Indiana. Then let's say you lose two. That means you're at 9-9. Nine and nine. Let's say Iowa stays pat. You're you now fall to not just the seventh seed, but you fall to the eighth seed. That means you're playing the ninth seed right now. That's Illinois. That's another team you lost against. So right now you have to be. Michigan's a must-win game because if you lose to Michigan, let's be honest, you're not the sixth seed. You're the seventh seed. If you lose to Michigan. You are the seventh seed because even if Michigan loses and you then win, you'll be tied and Michigan will own the tiebreaker over you. Chris Collins, quote, make no mistake, we are going to keep fighting until somebody tells me that we have no more games. We're going to fight. I'm confident that my team is going to do that, end quote. Can I throw another thing out there? Michigan's probably going to go 2-0. and You want to know who they play after Northwestern? Nebraska. I think Nebraska is going to beat Michigan. I know anything's possible. I say it all the time. But do you really think Nebraska is going to beat Michigan? No. No, they're not. And I, I, I'm not saying that Northwestern doesn't have a chance. With the quote that you just read, of course you're going to play like that. 
if you didn't play like that, I would question your integrity for the game, but I'm not getting into that. The thing that I look at, you're Northwestern, you're going up against a hard rest of the two games, which could really set yourself up for failure in the conference tournament. Because right now, if you play Indi- if Northwestern plays Indiana or Illinois after losing two straight games to Michigan and Purdue, I say they lose though they lose that game against Indiana or Illinois and they're out of the tournament. And if you go 0 3, you're not making the tournament. I think you gotta win at least you gotta win at least one of your next three. You have three guaranteed games, you gotta win one of them. What do you think? Ricky, I, I, I they can't I don't even think they can lose these two games. You're saying they got to win these next two? They can't even lose one of those? No, I well, no, I'm saying that they got to win saying, one of but, them. But you're saying they if they lose three, they're out. If they lose two and even won a game in the conference tournament, mm-hmm. I think it still screws them. So I think they they have to beat Michigan. They have to beat Michigan. Well, they, uh, they because do. right now it ain't looking too purdy mm-hmm. for them beating Purdue. Well, and the thing is, not just take. Take the national tournament, throw it out the window. Let's say this. You have to win at least one game in the conference tournament. Have to. They have to. Well, if that's the case, you got to beat Michigan too. Because I would rather, like I said, be the sixth seed and either play Rutgers or Iowa State than be the seventh seed and play Indiana or be then be the eighth seed and play Illinois. <laughs> Two teams that you have proven as of late you cannot beat. And I know that it's like, well, Ricky, if we got another game against them, well, you don't know what those two teams are going to bring into the, I believe that the Big Ten tournament this year is in D.C., which is the, what is that, the Sprint Center in Washington, D.C., where the um, Washington Wizards play. You don't know. You would know better than me. You don't know what those two teams are going to bring into Washington, D.C. I wouldn't even put it in their hands. Like Chris Collins said, we're going to play. Until they tell us there ain't no games. Well, it's also, we've talked to head coaches. In our time as broadcasters, we have talked to head coaches. What's the one thing that head coaches have told us? When we try to ask them about future games, what do they always tell us? They never want to go there. They are strictly on the next game, preparing for the next game, Mm -hmm. because you go too far out in front, you will lose the next game and won't even get farther to any more games. And I bet you if we asked Chris Collins, all he would tell us is Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. Well, that's, that's what they, that they have be to be focused mind. on that right now. That's the team. I'm not even saying to not even think that you'll beat mm-hmm. Purdue because I'm that is not hopefully not something that's going in into the players' heads mm-hmm. right now. It's we've got it's to be Michigan. Head. We've got to be yeah, you're a fan. Yeah. We've got you're not a fan of them, but you know, I'm you a know fan what I mean. In general, you're, yeah. Yes. I'm a fan of the but game. You're a fan of the game, yes. <laughs> and I they have to beat Michigan. No, they, they do. have to beat Michigan. If they don't beat them, I am not too hopeful about them beating the Boilermakers. Let me ask you this to round everything out. Will they? Will they make the tournament? Are you still confident in them making the tournament? And if so, give me a percentage. What's the percentage? that they make it to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I'm going to give you a percentage. Um, I'm going to say that they... I'm going to say that they will make it. And I'm going to say 52%. I'm going to say they don't make it. 25% chance. I don't think they beat Michigan. 
I don't think they beat Purdue. Because they lose their last two, I think they play Illinois. I think they will end up being the eighth seed, play Illinois, lose to Illinois again. That loss to Illinois, nail in the coffin. Knock them out of the tournament. Hello, NIT, Northwestern. It has never made the tournament. Month ago, I had a different story. A week ago, I had a different story. But then a lot of other things happened. I would love to be proven wrong. Would love to be, because you love these underdog stories, especially of the first time. I mean, last year, my Cubs did it with the World Series, but the cards are stacked against you. They are really stacked against you. And I just don't see, I don't see them ending out strong. I don't, I especially don't see them beating Michigan or Purdue. But, you know, we just got to wait and see what happens. Next week, I am sure we are going to be talking about Northwestern going into the Big Ten tournament, but this is where you guys can no, no, let no, us no, know no, down no, below. No, 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 no. You got don't one you, more thing? Don't you be running okay. off too quickly. Don't okay. think just because you're done talking, that means everyone else. Okay. So the last time they played Purdue, they lost. Then they lost to Illinois. So there's two losses. Then they won. Then they lost. Then they won. Then they lost, lost. Then they'll have to win again. They'll beat Michigan. They'll lose to Purdue. They'll win one game in the conference tournament they will not win another game in the conference tournament but it's the one game that they did win it's the win against michigan they will be in the tournament but they will not go far because they are not playing their best basketball but they will be able to gather around enough to beat michigan but purdue that is mm, count them out for that one and like i said they'll win one game in the tournament, and for nothing else, just because of these patterns that I'm seeing with uh, Northwestern. Well, if you guys see it, Brandon is saying they'll make it. I am not the optimist here. I am saying that they will not make it. But before I tell you guys what you guys think, Brandon, we got to end the podcast. How do we always end the podcast? It is Swanee's final thoughts. Well, my final thoughts, again, as sometimes they do, have nothing at all to do with sports. Mm-hmm. Well, actually... Maybe they the bachelor. Maybe they do. <laughs> so last night, if anyone was watching, it was it was the 89th or 1,000th whatever Oscars. I'm kidding. I think it was like literally the 87th or 89th Oscars. And everything seemed to be going really, really well. 89th. Until the end of the night when La La Land won Best Picture, but then found out that they really didn't win Best Picture as there was a whole lot of commotion up there on the stage, and it ended up being Moonlight that won Mm -hmm. Best Picture. And the funny thing about it all is one tweet or a couple of tweets that I saw was, man, I thought that the biggest biggest comeback this season was the Patriots down 28-3 to to the Falcons, when in fact it may have been Moonlight's come back to La La Land. La La Land up 3-1, and Moonlight came back to win it. I thought that was kind of funny, but I thought that was also very embarrassing last night, and I also believe that there had to have at least been three people that got fired at last after last night's Oscar debacle at the end. I'm glad you brought that up, because I want to ask these guys. I want to ask you, and then I want to ask you guys. Um, use guys. You Use guys uh, this, this question, because... I was watching The Herd today during my lunch when I came home from lunch You were from watching work, The Herd? And he was talking about this. He brought up the Oscars. He brought up what actually what you said. And he said the great thing is they didn't let it go on. They didn't say, oh, well, 
what's done is done. La La Land wins the Academy or wins the Oscar. No, they came up and said, no, we are wrong. You guys did not win. You won. Coward kind of flipped it. Why can't we do that in sports? The touchception, why couldn't the next day the NFL said, you know what, the ref screwed up, Packers win, Seahawks lose. Why not in the Duke-Miami football game that we saw in 2015 where the refs screwed up so bad there were refs in the ACC that got fired? Why couldn't the ACC say, you know what, they screwed up, Duke gets the win, Miami doesn't? Why don't we see this in sports? Don't think it works Why the same way. Why don't we see this? It doesn't work the same way. And that's what Christine Leahy said. But I wanted to get your response on yeah. why don't we see this in sports. I agree with her. It does not work the same way. It's not as easy to be able to, you know, oh, oh, actually, no, 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 no. This Because this is how it was supposed to be the whole time. Mm-hmm. The Packers weren't supposed to win the whole time. Like, Moonlight was. Like, they were, they were, like, it was set. They were, they won. They won. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like it's it's there was no other play La La Land could have done to beat them. But I'm saying if it's like a call, and this is the touch touchception is great, where it is a call where it's you could see it was a reception. They called it the other way though. Why not flip it? And Christine Leahy was on the other side of you know it's a it's it's an award show. It's voted on. There's more tangible things yeah. there yeah. to say, no, this was supposed to happen. We're in sports. It's all up in the air, and it's the field of competition. Exactly. Exactly. But, but this is where I, w- I want to get your guys' thoughts on, of course, everything we talked about, but really that, because I'm glad you brought that up during your final thoughts, because that sparked that question in my mind. So what do you think about the one seeds? What do you think about the Pac-12 and the Final Four, Northwestern? But most importantly, what do you guys think why don't we see this in sports where we flip things that we know are wrong? Outcomes happen. We know it was a bad call. We know he also brought up the, what was it, the Galarraga perfect game. Armando Galarraga. Where yeah. it was blatantly an out. Why didn't the MLB say, you know what, we're giving them the perfect game? Didn't change the outcome. Just, what you know what, bad call. We're giving you the perfect game. I want to know your thoughts down below, but I want to thank you guys, whether you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, you're watching on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, the whole kit and caboodle. Thank you guys for spending some time with us, making us a part of your day. You can check us out on Twitter. I'm at Ricky Widmer. He is at young underscore swan 19, or Sean Anderson thinks young underscore swanson 19, which is totally wrong. It's young underscore swan 19. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. Make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at most valuable pod for more great podcasts.